Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. Now listen, God has given us a very important task. God has given us a very important task. And you have to understand that every service has its objectives. And when we have teaching themes every year, they have their objectives as well. And God has told us that this is a solid year. Let me say this. The Bible says he gave some apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. It means that no matter the ministry gifts that you are, what it is called, the description, the prophetic description of that gifting, maybe apostle or prophet, the primary KPI, <laughs> the primary way we will know that you are fulfilling your ministry is the product that your ministry has been able to birth for ministry. Do you understand what I just said? Now, a lot of people think that it is only teachers who should be able to teach and disciple or pastors. And so they hide on that, maybe the prophetic respectfully, you know, to just prophesy all day and all of that. But at the end of the day, if the products of your ministry cannot stand executing the counsel of God as they have so lavishly received, something is missing. I'm not saying the ministry is inauthentic. I'm just saying it is incomplete. Do you understand what I'm saying? That, he, listen, the Bible tells us why the ministry gifts were given. For the perfecting of the saints. The maturing of the saints. How many mature disciples can you find? That's how you know. By maturity. Not by numbers. As great as that is, but by maturity. And so, God has told us that more than ever before, this is a solid year. And when the Spirit of God tells us stuff like this, you have to understand that it is because there is something ahead we must be prepared for. He's telling us that we must build conviction because we are coming to the days of Noah again, where you will just look at your vicinity and it's like it is only you and your house serving the Lord. In such a way that if you compromise, nobody will challenge you because it will not be strange. So if you are Noah and you are not doing what they are doing, it is because you have a firm personal conviction. Come on, now you get what I'm saying? It is, you are not going with cultural influence because that is no longer dependable. We are in an age where darkness is being celebrated. And so you must build personal conviction. I want to read from a text that we all know very well. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world. Say, I am the light of the world. You know, what does he say next? He says, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let me say this. A very simple principle in the kingdom is this. Pay attention to what God called you. 
Pay attention to the divine metaphors. Let that paint your picture. Let that influence your perspective. He says, I am light. So I won't see myself as anything else. So now, how does the world see the church? I don't really care. My priority is how does God see the church? And you know what God calls us? He calls us light. Meaning we are not an embarrassment. Do you understand what I'm saying? We must not try to hide what we have. We are light. And that means what we have is to be celebrated. What we have is important. What we have is obvious. He says a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Meaning we are obvious. Come on, say that with me. I'm obvious. Say my impact is obvious. He's telling you, you stand out. So stop trying to blend in when he's trying to tell you you are destined to stand out. You are a city on a hill. You are distinct. You are different. You stand out. In an age where blending in is cool, this is important. He said you are destined to stand out. Come on, are you listening to this? The reason God is making us go through this is because he wants to make you strong. You will need it. And don't take for granted that you know these things. He wants to prepare you for the day of adversity. Not only are we to stand out, we are to be the standard. Not only are we to stand out, we are to be the standard. People will look to us on the hill for inspiration, for direction. They will use you as a landmark. Oh, you're looking for that place? When you get to that hill, turn left. You, you, God has made you a reference point. Hallelujah. Come on, are you listening to me? I, I want to beg you in the name of Jesus. Do not be embarrassed. You see, Bishop Oedipo said and drove it in, into our consciousness in early, early days. He said, do not be shameful of what is gainful. Don't ever be embarrassed carrying the name of Jesus. Don't hide your Bible. Don't hide it that you go to church. Don't hide it that you pray. Don't hide it that you worship. Don't be embarrassed. You are the light of the world. You are not the influenced. You are the influencer. You are not trying to blend into them. They are trying to blend into you. You are the standard. You are the reference point. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Your walk with God is not a secret. Stop trying to hide it. It cannot be hidden. It should not be hidden. And so, when we say that the theme of today's service is contagious faith, we mean two things. Number one, God wants us to build solid convictions. 
And number two, viral convictions. It must first be solid before it can be viral. Nobody is going to follow someone who, who is not strong in what he believes. You lose your appeal when you are not confident. Solid convictions and viral convictions. And very quickly, because we have a lot to cover, I want to give you six building blocks to contagious faith. Six building blocks to contagious faith. So I want to give you six steps. Now, so if someone wants to build his faith, a faith that can stand in spite of contradiction, in an environment of contradiction, what must be his focus? What must he know? What must he do? Please, I want to say this. Don't just hear this for hearing's sake. Listen to it and digest it. It is for you. It is for doing. It is not to fill your notes. Digest it so that your profiting will appear. Not so that your note will appear. Your profiting. Come on, are you with me? So number one is revelation knowledge. Oh God. Revelation knowledge. Listen, we are in an environment or in a generation of great information. There's information everywhere. Things to learn everywhere. I mean, if you could measure the amount of information you are bombarded with just by scrolling through Facebook, scrolling through the internet, scrolling through Instagram, there's information competing for your attention. A great era of information. And anything you don't know is just a few clicks away. It has become a part of our daily life where if someone should ask a question and we don't have the answer, we know where to go. With a few clicks and we have the answers. So information is not our problem. But God, beyond information, will have us have revelation. And there is a difference. Paul said to the church at Ephesus, a text you know very well. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17, can you open it quickly? of information so many teachers very few students the reason we have Twitter wars all the time is because everybody is a teacher everybody knows and social media flatters us you come on Facebook and they ask you what's on your mind and so we have been deceived into thinking that what we think is priority it's not always important what you think and you're not always correct. But in an era of post-truth, what I'm saying, nobody cares about that. Please, nudge the person by your side gently. Say, God wants us to have revelation. So now, in that text you're about to read, the context is important. He's talking to believers. He's talking to a church filled with born-again people. It's important you understand that. And what does it mean to be born again? It means, first and foremost, they believe that Jesus was the Christ and is the Christ. And then they believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. He thanks God for them. From verse 15. When I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, love all to all the saints, I didn't cease to give thanks to God for you. But then he says, I'm still praying for you. That the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. So meaning you can be in church 
and not have what Paul is praying for. You can be in church and not be enlightened. He says so that you will know the hope of his calling. Not everybody in church knows what Paul is talking about. And so that you will know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The exceeding greatness of his power. Us world who believe. Listen, I know this text. I know you know this text, but I want it to sink into your consciousness. There's a reason I'm taking time with this. Let me say this. So, what then is the difference between information and revelation? When it comes to information, information is for knowing, revelation is for doing. Simple example. If you know that the Bible says... You should live a quality of life that you are not yet living. It is information. I made it so simple so that you never forget. Anything you know that the Bible says is for you and you are not yet seeing is information. When it becomes revelation, you start seeing it. You start touching it. Because when it comes to revelation, you realize, I have inheritance. I, listen, it might have been information that Jesus is risen. But revelation makes personal what was a story. It makes the story of Jesus Christ become a personal testimony. Not just is he risen, but by his resurrection, I have an inheritance. And there is power demonstrated us world who believe in the resurrection of Jesus. It becomes a personal testimony. That's what Revelation does. Two weeks ago, I told you something very important. Just imagine you were the children of Israel waiting for Moses at the foot of the mountain for 40 days. And after 40 days, he comes down with a tablet that has 10 sentences. Just 10. I'm saying this so that you will understand the difference between information and Revelation. 10 sentences. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. That, it shouldn't take one minute to dictate those things. So this is what you spent 40 days doing on the mountain. And now they just look at it. They memorize it and they think they know it. No wonder Paul said that a veil was put on Moses' face so that people could not see the end of what was written. He says, till this day, the veil is over the faces of people who read the law. Meaning, the real glory of the experience was kept from them. Moses came back with a radiant face. There was something beyond what was written on those tablets. Do you understand what I'm saying? Something. And so, that's why many times someone has a revelation in this generation. We're just particular about information. Someone will spend time fasting, tarrying in the presence of God, will come up with a teaching. We listen to it once and we think we know it. And we wonder why we don't get the same results. That's why some of the generals in the body of Christ, you, you see, they're not men of lavish information. You, I'm, I'm sure, you, you understand what I'm saying, right? You listen to some of them and they teach simple, straight to the point. And just when you're about to say, is this what we came for? God begins to bear witness and you're amazed. Isn't that what happens? How many times have you heard Pastor Adiboye preach and he's saying the Greek word is this? Have you heard that before? <laughs> Hallelujah. 
But when he begins to pray and God begins to move, then you will know that he has been somewhere. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the difference. Thank God for all those things. Listen, God is bringing a balance of both. There's a rich move of the Spirit in terms of teaching in the body of Christ now. But you must have revelation. This generation needs to learn how to go for revelation, not just information. There are dimensions of spiritual truth. Dimensions. It says that you may know the length, the breadth, the depth. There are dimensions. So just because you heard it once doesn't mean you know it. Are you getting this? Uh-huh. So when the prophet is seeing a prophetic vision of water from the temple and then some, as he was walking, it was to ankle level and then to knee level. It, it means there are depths. In the same experience of the same river, there are depths. There are depths. Have you listened to a sermon 20 times before? Same sermon. You see, let me tell you something. It might be the disadvantage of this generation that we have so many sermons and many books. Now, our conviction is 10,000 kilometers wide, but half an inch deep. No depth. Because we know so much, but we understand so little. You, you know, you just want to read so many things and listen to so many. You are very excited. The moment the man of God is talking, if it is something you've heard before, you don't want to listen again. But he tells you there are dimensions that you may know the length, the breadth, the depth, the height. He says, and the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. We're talking about something beyond knowledge. Have you ever sat with a topic? So listen, there is depth and then there is breath. There is scope. What is your scope of revelation? You know, a lot of people are specialists. They know about finances. All the scriptures on finances, they know. But they know very little on healing. They know very little on, on salvation. They know very little on purpose. What is your scope? Are you getting what I'm saying? If you're going to be rooted and grounded, you must have scope of revelation. Scope. There is a way to study something in depth. There is a methodology for Bible theology where if you want to study faith, everywhere faith was mentioned, you must read it. You must. That's why the Bible says all scripture, not one. All, all together. Meaning you can't get doctrine if you don't examine everything God said about it. The reason we have so many imbalances is because many people make a truth the truth. And if you fall for that trap, the devil will come quoting scriptures. Please, do you understand what I'm saying? So listen, I am telling you this so that you will pay more attention. More attention. More attention. What is it about this law that was killing people that made Moses' face radiant? Don't assume you know. Spend time 
until the day dawns on your heart. Spend time. Marinate with the scriptures. For that to happen, you have to put aside distractions. It's going to take an investment of attention. Please, are you listening to this? My wife told me a story of a family that adopted a son. And they were very amazed. This boy is so well brought up. Where did he learn all this? Because every morning they came to his room to find out he had already laid his bed. Without fail, every morning his bed was laid. Wow, so disciplined, so well brought up. Until one day they came in the night and discovered that this adopted son had been sleeping on the floor all the while. He's not used to sleeping on a bed. He had a bed, he never used it. That's why the bed was so properly laid. Not because he was disciplined, but because he wasn't using it at all. I am amazed. Many Christians don't use what they have. They don't use what they have. And you have been so desensitized. You are, there is this kind of lack of interest. Where if you're not careful, what I'm saying is passing one ear and going through the other. God wants you to take up your sword and begin to wield it. Walk in your full potential as a child of God. He didn't die for nothing. The Bible says that you come behind in no gifts. Use what he has provided for you. Paul is praying earnestly for the church that you will know the hope of his calling. We have too many believers still scared of the devil. Still scared of jazz. Still scared of silly things. When will you grow up? You might be paying dearly for your ignorance. When will you grow up? Can you say when we say revelation knowledge? Second thing I want to say, and this shouldn't have to be a second point, but I want to separate it for emphasis. You can't have solid faith without the Holy Ghost. And the reason why this shouldn't be a second point is because you can't have revelation knowledge but by the Spirit. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may know the things that are freely given to us. So it is by the Spirit that we have revelation in the first place. But the reason I want to separate this is because the fact that you have the Spirit, you know what Paul says? He says, if you live by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. And so if you have not consciously learned to use your supernatural advantage, you will still live an ordinary life. Please, are you listening to me? You will still live an ordinary life. How often do you get filled with the Spirit? How often? How often? He uses the illustration of drunkenness. Ephesians 5.18 Not drunken wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What is the correlation? You see, because there are some things that your natural faculties cannot dare, but when you're drunk, you will dare it. 
And there is something bigger and better in the Holy Ghost. Listen, we are talking about solid faith, contagious faith, faith that will stand the test of time, faith that will go viral, faith that people will look at and say, where is your God? I want to go to, go to your church. You can't achieve that without the Holy Ghost. You know what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17? It says, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do in the name of Jesus and in dependence upon his person. That's an exercise. It's an instruction. You can learn to consciously depend on the person of the Holy Ghost. You can. And because he's a gentle spirit, if you don't consciously do it, you're not going to see it. Walk in the consciousness of the Holy Ghost. Walk in the consciousness. The consciousness. The consciousness. The consciousness. Come on, are you with me this morning? The consciousness of the revelation. The consciousness. Whatever I do, in word or in deed. Listen, so I have the tendency to look to my brain first. But I must learn to do things from my spirit. So I'm going to learn to be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Ghost. What I am saying will save your life. It will save your life. Learn to be sensitive. And when you have promptings, investigate it. When you have promptings, investigate it. You are praying and someone comes to mind. When you are done, call the person. Whatever you do in word or in deed. You want to do something and you have a restraint in your spirit. Especially if it is something that logically you shouldn't have a restraint for. Don't ignore it. He said, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do in the name of Jesus and in dependence upon his person. Close your eyes for a few seconds. Talk to the Holy Ghost. Talk to the Holy Ghost. Let him know that you trust in his ability in your life. Let him know that you're going to use what he has given to you. Talk to the Holy Ghost. Do it consciously. Do it intentionally. Do it consciously. Do it consciously. Do it consciously. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost, you and I will change the world. Holy Ghost, you see, when the Lord sends you, His Spirit is capital. Don't trust on any other thing, not network not platforms that people can give you. The spirit is capital. The spirit is your advantage. Your advantage is that he said go. Did you hear what I said? I said your advantage is that he said go. Never look to anything around. Some people look down on you are wondering are you making the right decision? But the capital is that he said go. 
the capital is that he said go. I must finish this teaching today. What is number one? And what is number two? Now, I want to talk on prayer. You cannot build strong, contagious faith without prayer. Are you listening to me? Oh God. Listen, in this generation, I thank God that God is really emphasizing prayer and what it can birth, you know, miracles and all of that. But you see, we need to emphasize the major ministry of prayer and it is not known. Prayer is God's strategy for the preservation of your soul. Are you listening to me? So listen, one of the strategies, one of the ways you know that your faith will stand the test of time is prayer. Simon, Simon, son of Bajona, the devil seeks to have you that he may sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. So how do I know? that I will still be as vibrant in the work of ministry 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the line. Amongst many other strategies is prayer, the preservation of the soul. Luke 22 verse 31 to 32 is what I just quoted. Thank God for healing and deliverance in the place of prayer, but prayer is a strategy for soul maintenance. And so the writer of Jude tells you about how many people derailed and it tells you what will be your advantage. He says, but you, beloved, remember the words that were spoken before by the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jude from verse 17, how they told you that there will be mockers in this last time who walk according to their own ungodly lust. He says, these are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. He says, but you, beloved, be building up yourselves on your most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Ghost. The next verse says, keep yourself in the love of God. You know, a lot of people just know verse 20. They don't understand it in context. He started by telling you many people who derailed and many people who will try to derail. And then he says, but you. But you. Meaning this is happening around you, but you. This is how your experience will be different. But you, beloved, building up yourselves. On your most holy faith. So this is what prayer does. It strengthens and solidifies our faith and our conviction. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you know what I'm saying. You can read in a book that God can do something. But when you pray about it, your faith becomes strong. Anything you have not prayed about, you are not strong about. There is a kind of conviction that can only come in the place of prayer. Prayer is a strategy for the preservation of the soul. And so if your faith is going to be strong and stand the test of time, you're going to have to pray. So listen, thank God for praying, for deliverance, for all these things. Learn to pray for strength. I'm not even telling you to pray and prayer, your prayer point should be, Lord, strengthen me. Mm -mm. I'm telling you when you pray, you get strong. When you pray, you get what? A lot of us know Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. But again, we don't know it in context. Ephesians 6 18 says, Praying always with all prayers and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. But now, in context, from verse 13, it says, Take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand 
in the evil day and having all done all to stand. So this is a strategy for preservation. He says, faith is a shield. <laughs> Are you getting it? Faith is a shield so that you can quench the fiery darts of the enemy. And he says, praying with all prayer and supplication. So listen, when I pray, I am taking the shield of faith. When I pray, I am quenching the fiery darts. And the fiery darts in this context is not an attack on your health. It's not an attack on your business. It's not even an attack on your ministry. It's an attack on your faith. Let me tell you this. The reason the devil is after your health is so that you can doubt that God is good. It's, listen, your health is a means to an end. What he's really trying to do is to make you look and say, is there a God? It's your faith he's after. Make sure you don't get distracted. Praying only about your business. Praying only about your health. Praying about all, all these peripheral things. Forgetting that they are but a means to an end. What the devil is really after is your faith. Jesus said, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. So that's what the devil was really after. If you're not careful, you would have gone through so many trials. You, the vibrant you, they will hear you talk and you are a shadow of yourself. God forbid, that will never be you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and it's, not, it's not enough to say, God forbid, you must make sure prayer is a necessary part of your daily schedule. Every time you pray, you take up the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts because the devil is seeking to sift you as wheat. The devil is trying to crumble every substance of your spirituality. He's trying to make it small. Make it lose his impact. He says, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy what? On your most holy what? On your most holy what? Aha, uh -huh. so if your faith will remain holy, meaning if your faith will not be contaminated, he says you're you going to have to build on it. And you build on it by praying. Build on it by praying. This is why we pray. Every other thing is secondary. This is why we pray. To be sure you're following what is number one, what is number two? What is number three? And what is number four? You don't know it. Number four is boldness. Jesus. Listen. If you're not bold, the anointing will not work for you. Please, did you hear what I said? When the Lord called me, I wasn't the most gifted. I wasn't always regarded the most anointed. But I've discovered the anointing works for the bold. 
if you keep hearing and you don't do, you will see very little results. The anointing works for the bold. You're going to have to be, to be bold. You know, and it's even a principle in our daily life. There is nothing attractive about a timid person. If you don't have firm convictions, nobody's going to look to you for inspiration. There's something we say in this part of the world. Say it with your chest. Do it with your chest. You know, it applies in the realm of the spirit. You must learn to do things of the spirit with your chest. Say it with all you got. Don't keep trying. Believe and do. Come on, are you listening to me? You, you must learn to be bold. If you're not bold, you will not be strong. 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 Listen, even when you are faced with very scary, um, scary situations, hold on boldly to the word of God. You know what he says? He says, if you shall say to this mountain, a lot of people focus on what they say, but there is a part they miss out. He says, and you do not doubt in your heart. <laughs> Have you practiced that? What I'm saying takes practice. To build that kind of conviction takes practice. What is your unequivocal conviction in God? Do you have doubts about his healing power? Do you have doubt that he saves and he delivers? Do you have any doubt that there is no other name given under heaven by which men should be saved? But... By the name of Jesus. Listen, I'm not talking about what you believe only here. I'm talking about something that if you travel out for masters in an environment of contradiction, you still believe. What is your firm conviction? What are you saying and doing with your chest? No wonder the Bible tells us. This is a flow of thought from the previous point I gave you. As they prayed, the place where they were shook. And the Bible says they were filled with the Spirit and with boldness. You see, there are ways to know if you are filled with the Spirit. You'll be bold. It is not every time people come to me and ask, how, how do I start ministry, you know, that I give them good advice. <laughs> Sometimes I tell them, thank you. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I learned this from Charles Spurgeon. You come and say, sir, how do I know I'm called? He said, you are asking, you are not called. <laughs> because there is something about the call that puts a fire in you, you cannot stay. <laughs> if you don't understand what I'm saying, it will be hard to, be exp to explain. Hmm? You are still asking, go and pray. Don't look for explanation. Don't talk to anybody. Go and pray. When you catch it, it is the Lord that will be telling you, wait, it's not time. Wait, it's not time. I'm telling you. When I caught what I'm telling you about, I was crying. I said, God, if this is what you want to do with my life, why am I in school? He said, you must finish. <laughs> you know, I, I tried to guilt trip him. I said, souls are perishing. <laughs> he said, you must finish. Now I understand why. 
I said, let's do this thing. Let's do this thing now. Hallelujah. Boldness. Let me tell you something. A lot of you, you only know boldness from a psychological standpoint. Where you stand in front of the mirror and you psych yourself. Boldness. There is a boldness that comes from the spirits. It is not a temperament. It's an impartation. It's an impartation. Peter that went to the upper room will not admit he knows Jesus to a slave girl. But the Bible says suddenly there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind that filled the room. Cloven tongues as of fire sat on his head. And the same Peter stood before thousands of people boldly declaring the gospel. Listen, I'm not talking psychology. I'm talking power. The, the impartation of the Holy Ghost. You know what the Bible says? It says it is God who works in you to will and to do. Listen, if you have the will but you are not yet doing, you are not yet full enough. You are not yet full enough. You are not yet drunk enough. Go, go, go and drink more. Go and go, listen. Go and marinate in the Holy Ghost. To take a hold of you, you will, you will, you will not only will you run, you will outrun chariots. Let me say something, and those of you who know me know it's true. God only tells me what He's sure He wants to do. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? God only. Is it the Lord has worked on my heart? If the Lord does it, or if the Lord says it, I have no fear. There is nothing God has asked me to do that I'm afraid of. There's nothing. And I've been in this for so long, it became normal to me. So when I'm advising, I advise from this realm. So someone had to call me and say, this thing is a gift too. <laughs> Don't break people's spine. <laughs> because I just couldn't understand. Said, God said I should do it. I don't know how to go about it. How do those two go hand in hand? It doesn't make sense to me. God said I should do it. I don't know how to go about it. I, I'm telling you, I don't know what that means. Listen, if there is anything you can receive through this ministry, it's the spirit of boldness. It's, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a, do you know? Okay, between January and now, we've planted how many branches? Five. Next week, we'll make it six. Are you aware? Do, 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 you, do you know the kind of audacity that takes... And, and I'm talking, when I say branches, I'm saying celebration church standard. You, I believe you know what that means. Just imagine all of us were functioning in that kind of boldness and obedience. The things you'll be doing. I was on my office decks doing normal nine to five work. The Lord said, resign now. <laughs> I typed the letter that day, that day, that day. Are you listening to me? It's, it's, I, he doesn't tell me twice. It gets to a point God can begin to brag about you. I know Abraham. God likes to work with, God doesn't like to waste his time. He likes to work with doers. 
I know Abraham. He will command his children. I know he will do it. And you are there crying. God doesn't speak to me. If he speaks to you, will you do it? That means God is studying your behavioral patterns. He knows your heart. For him to say, I know Abraham. He has searched other people. Those ones are not ready. Abraham will do it. I will work with Abraham. Some of you, listen. Oh my God. The reason this is important is because no matter how prayerful you are, without boldness you can't grow. There are some things that obedience toughens in your spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you have obeyed God, you get stronger. You get stronger. Huh? Are you going to obey God? You're going to obey God? Thank you, Jesus. Sema dombraste felica paya. Helper. Tema non grace. It's an impartation. There's an impartation for boldness. An impartation for boldness. Kapale, kumbre, sapale, shembre, tekiba. If there is something God has asked you to do, you've been afraid to do it. This is your time. Something has been sparked in the atmosphere. Connect to it now. Connect to it now. Connect to it now. You've been moving around that mountain for too long. It's time to progress. Connect to this grace now. Connect to it now. It's an anointing to build and to plant. 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 Asoma Kapale. Here I am, send me. to build and to plant. Some of you are still not ready. An anointing to build and to plant. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. When God says go, you go. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Please rise to your feet. I think I'll finish the rest at midweek service. I don't want to rush this. I, I feel the Lord asking me to stay here. Let me say this. If the Lord had more doers, the job will be done easily. I am saying with firm conviction that it doesn't take much to take over the world. It doesn't take much. 
there are just few doers. The church is full of talkers, but there are few doers. Imagine God bragging about you. Ah, uh, I know Pastor Kelechi. If I give him this one, he will do it. Imagine God bragging about you like that. Imagine God can count on you. You know, something happened in school. The Lord asked me to hold a meeting. It was difficult, but I obeyed. I will never forget in my life. I go back into the hostel. As I bent to untie my shoes, I heard the Lord say, thank you. I almost fainted. I'd never read it in a book. Never heard anybody say the Lord said that. And then it dawned on me, there are people that God is eager to touch. He's literally looking through the earth, looking for who will go. Who will go? Who will go? And this young undergraduate at that time obeyed and he said, thank you. What can God do through you in your generation? What can he do through you? What can he achieve through you? What will your life look like if you put aside the doubt? If you stop second guessing and you decided to run with God? What will it look like? And I told you, God, we're going to see manifestations of the Spirit in different dimensions in this end time. Not all of us will plant churches. Are you listening to me? There are gifts of the Spirit that people don't emphasize. You see, every generation will see the part of God they emphasize. We need to bring back the Bezalel and the Aholiab anointing. The anointing for creativity needs to be emphasized again. We need to bring back supernatural strength. Those dimensions are there. I want to give you a few minutes. Listen, this is an impartation service, right? I have an assignment at our Yaba branch and at our Ikeja branch. So I literally have a few minutes left. Something can come on you now. In such a way that when God talks to you to do something, you will never doubt again. See, look, look at me. If you see God, ask him. There is nothing he has asked me to do that I doubted or I have not done or at least we have not started. There, I have no pending instruction. Ask him. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't ask the choir to sing that song and they sang it, right? It's my song, but this is the move of the Spirit. So let's sing it again. Sing it from your spirit. Say, Holy Ghost, you and I will change the world. 
Lord. Holy Ghost, you and I, you and I. Holy Ghost, you and I, you and I. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Ghost, you and I, you and I. Three more times. Holy Ghost, you and I. You and I. Holy Ghost, you and I. You and I. Hallelujah. Listen to me. Now I want to give you two minutes. Lord, every spiritual capacity and boldness that I need for the assignment ahead, I receive it now. I give you a few minutes. I walk in it. I walk in it. I walk in it. I walk in it. God-sized visions. 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 Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We are going to pray corporately. Then I will pray. Then we worship for a while and then we're out of here. Listen. The Bible says, as they prayed, the place where they were shook. And they were filled with the Spirit and with boldness. This is a pattern. A spiritual principle. If we do what they did, we will see what they saw. So listen, you're going to pray in the spirit now as violently as you can. And something is going to shake on your inside and in this place. And you're going to be filled with boldness. Pray right now. Pray right now. Pray right now. Pray right now. Pray right now.
Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.